it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Mutation. It is the key to our evolution. It has enabled us to evolve from a single-celled organism into the dominant species on the planet. This process is slow, normally taking thousands and thousands of years. But every few hundred millennia, evolution leaps forward. Get out of my bar, freak! Welcome to episode, oh, it's got to be 423 of Two True Freaks. I'm Chris Honeywell, and I'm here with Scott Gardner. Hi. And you might have noticed by now, uh, you might be going, hey, isn't this supposed to be Star Star Wars Monthly Monday? Yes, well, I guess it is. But (laughs) Scott and I are blowing things up for the next couple months. Yes, I like to blow things up. So this this month, instead of your Star Wars, your Star Trek, your Comics Monthly Monday, and all that, uh, you're going to be getting X-Men movies. <gasps> Monday. You know, it, it occurs to me, and I, and I completely blame myself for this, but it occurs okay. to me that I feel, <laughs> I feel like you, you seem like you're just okay with that. Sure, why not? You know, we, we, we've had a bit of I might get a t-shirt we've, we've, that says blame Scott. <laughs> Why not? Everybody else wears one. Uh, but, uh, you know, it seems to me we've, we've done a fair amount of hyping and, and teasing and everything for Apes Month that's coming uh, next month. Hey, a bunch of damn dirty apes. It's me, Maury Clawhammer. Don't you recognize me? Of course you don't. I've gone back to my simian roots. Maury Clawhammer is going ape. That's right. Coming soon at twotruefreaks.com, it's Planet of the Apes Month. Hey, look at me. I'm peeling a banana with my feet while watching all five of them monkey movies. Now I'm reading a chimpanzee comic while swinging on my swinging tire swing. Woohoo! Then it's toy time when some kid throws me a vintage Mego Dr. Zayas action figure. And I'm gonna put it where the sun don't shine in front of a whole third grade class. And nobody's gonna bat an eye. Then I'm gonna pull it out and I'm gonna fling it at him. It's a whole month of monkey madness. Coming soon at twotruefreaks.com. Check it out. I'm devolving by the second. Or is it the other way around? But really, other than the very latest Back to the Bins episode that literally just went up today as we sit down to record this, I don't think we really let the folks know what was going on for this month, for X-Men month. And uh, I feel kind of bad about that. I hope this isn't uh, an unpleasant surprise that are sprung on folks. But um, it's a combination of factors, as Chris said. You know, um, we're just kind of shaking things up for the foreseeable future. Um, you know, I'm just, you know, this is just going to come from the come clean department. 
we just kind of need uh, we need some easier shows to do for a little bit to just kind of catch our breath, uh, you know, get our second wind and uh, and go forward. So we decided, well, you know, there's a lot of hype around the new X-Men movie that's going to be coming out. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I believe you are, too, Chris. So we, we just figured, you know, there's four X-Men movies now. Let's make a month out of it. So well, all also, through the month of... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. It's going to give me a chance to rewatch all the movies before seeing this one, too. So that's going to be good. That's true. Yeah, that's true. I, I, I'm due for a rewatch myself because as familiar as I feel like I am with these movies, having watched them a lot of times, having, you know, sitting down to watching this one today, it occurred to me that, you know, Again, while I am very familiar with it, I've seen it a lot of times. It'd been a while since I had seen it, and so it was, you I know, saw it, was, it. it was fun to dig it out and watch it again. So I'll talk about it when we get going, but yeah, I got a little different origin on this one, somewhat. <laughs> um, I just want to point out, no disclaimers this time around <laughs> before we start the, <laughs> before we start the show. Uh, <laughs> Anybody that listened to uh, our last commentary will uh, will hopefully get the joke on that. I guess but, a uh, lot of this movie is uh, set in Canada, though, eh? <laughs> right? There's some Canadians in this movie, so I could offend somebody before it's all over. <laughs> Although the Canadians are hard to offend. They got Rob Ford, man. There's nothing I can do that's worth <laughs> He's doing the job for oh, you. Oh, yeah. He's working hard, man. <laughs> working hard so you don't have to. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right well i've really got nothing i'm just kind of itching to get into it uh are we are we good to go yes we are um if you hadn't seen by the little picture in the name of the show it's going to be the first x-men movie and we have it waiting at 0. 0.00 seconds and when i say i'm going to count down to, from three and when i say go push play and we'll watch the movie together. And Scott and I will be those annoying pricks who sit ahead of you and talk through the entire movie. <laughs> All right, here we go. Three, two, one, go. Yeah, I, I saw <gasps> this movie once in the theater. That's it? And that's it. Yeah. Wow. So sitting down to watch this was your was your second time. Sit, second time, same with X Men Two. I only saw wow. that once in the theater. So when I watch that again, that's going to be my second time. Wow. Yeah. So does that mean that you just weren't that big of a fan, or um, once was enough? Or no, it's it's one of those things where like I've never seen X Men Three. So doesn't that sound like I just sort of gave up on it? You know, but it, does. but it was it was just a matter of I didn't catch it in the theater, and it got sort of bad reviews. And then I said oh, I'll wait for it to come out to, on video, and I just never got around to watching it. Hmm. And I've always meant to. And then once enough time had passed, I was just like, well, I probably before I watch X Men Three, I should watch the other ones. Right. And, uh, and then the Wolverine movies sort of came out. Not that I really liked the first Wolverine movie that much, but the Wolverine movies and uh, First Class came out, which were almost like rebooty. You know, they didn't go on in any kind of continuity, really, mm-hmm. with these ones. So, although this this scene is is a bit like First Class, you know. 
Well, this scene was was adapted into the beginning of First mm-hmm. Class. Because I was very impressed that there's no way that this can be the same kid in both movies. Because, you know, these movies so are time. Some, you know, like 12 or 13 years apart. But the kid who plays young Eric in um, First Class sure looks like this kid here. I was very impressed with how well they synced that up. Maybe Ian McKellen has a lot of bastards around. Actually, <laughs> probably not. Uh, now come to think of it. Could be. It could be his grandkids. or You never know. I have no gay. idea. Oh, this is true. Yeah. Yes, I, I forgot about that. <laughs> Not well, that that would still. physically stop him. It's possible, right. but I think it's less possible. Maybe he, maybe he didn't realize that till late in life or something. <laughs> yeah, but know. it would have been only like 12 years ago with this kid running around. <laughs> it's true. Well, maybe that gate swings both ways. You have no idea. Yeah, you never know. I don't You never know. know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, this reminds me a little bit of Schindler's List of the, like, everything... It's not really in black and white, but it's just that faded out to blue. But the only thing that comes out is sort of the yellow of the stars on their chest. Right. I like this scene. I think this scene is very powerful. I've heard this scene criticized because in the comics, Magneto was a full-blown adult. Have you ever read the... Uh... See, I sometimes I... I feel like I'm at an advantage, and other times I feel like I'm at a disadvantage. The way I read X-Men comics, uh-huh. you know, the, the classic uncanny, you know, the burn uncanny run, I actually read it when it was reprinted in classic X-Men. And classic X-Men, each issue had a backup feature. And I never realized until many years later that the backup feature in that book was an add-on. So each issue the backup feature was a little tale that was tied to the issue that was being reprinted of you know uncanny x-men so they elaborated greatly on the origin of magneto in one of those backup features and gave you all this detail the backstory of the character that wasn't actually part of the story at the time that uncanny was coming out if you know what I'm, what I mean. Right. So it was kind of weird to get this insight that wasn't really tied to the character at the time the stories were coming out. But in those, he was actually a full blown adult, uh, you know, during the Nazi time and oh. all that. But I kind of like this origin better, to be honest it with makes you. Makes more sense, I guess, time wise. It does. He'd be like 150 or or older or something, you know, some crazy age. Of course, he's been de-aged and re-aged and everything like a dozen times over the course of everything. So, what do you think of uh, Anna Paquin here? It's so it's so funny. It's it's like um, I I I I want to think of her from uh, True Blood. But she just she just reminds me so much. I can't now. I can't remember the actress's name. She was in Natural Born Killers, Dust Till Dawn. But they they have the same face basically. Right. I think she's a cutie. Oh yeah, just, it's just weird seeing True Blood now, seeing her as an adult and naked. Right. <laughs> oh, is she? Oh yeah. Oh, I need to see that. You've never seen this True Blood? Here. No, I've never seen it. Oh my god. This boy she's kissing here reminds me of a unibrow version of Iceman from later in the movie. <laughs> he does have a unibrow. 
That must be what was, uh... Uh, See, this is why you don't leave teenagers alone upstairs together, Mom and Dad. Poor parenting. So tell me your origin story here. I, You know, I, I went to the movies and I saw it, but I really don't remember... I don't remember the experience much of it. This is one of those movies that's in that weird um, time period, you know, where between movies, 21st century movies and, and 80s and 90s movies, right. before they were trying to go, they were trying a little for the gritty realism, but they still all had that sort of Hollywood sheen. And I just remember this having the feel of uh, a movie done by committee. You know what I mean? Written by committee, where they were like, really? oh, geez, who, who do we have to have in it? And what do we have to have happen? And all that. And it didn't get... A lot of times that gets out of control. You know what I mean? in a movie and you end up with too many things and I think with this they use the committee to file it down to like okay what are the core characters we have to have in this and then when it got down to the core characters it's almost like a decision was made to just sort of focus on Wolverine as a character right and everybody else gets short shrift it's one of those things where i mean the x-men has such so much going on in it it's not a you know it's not it, it's not really a one and done comic usually it's usually ongoing storylines whole but you know there's a whole school full of mutants so there's all kinds of mutants and bringing it to the screen is, was a, especially a challenge i think because it's like you do an origin of the school with Xavier right. and they decided obviously to like, okay, let's just get going in the middle of all. I just want somebody in this scene to go, Picard! From <laughs> yeah. Generation. Well, to his credit, to his credit, even though, I mean, the character of Professor X doesn't really get a lot of character development in this. He definitely isn't Jean-Luc Picard. He, he very well could have been... Jean-Luc Picard in a wheelchair. Right. But he he it feels like <laughs> Professor X. Especially that I mean this really feels like that burn era with the with the um mutant witch hunts and you know immediately right. post that with the new mutants and stuff like that. But I just I I just remembered not being too enthused by it. I was impressed that they pulled it off. But it didn't really get me into it. You know what I mean? Really? Yeah. Not until X-Men 2. I remember seeing that and going like, yeah, that's right, like yeah. it, you know? Well, see, that's the thing for me is... Uh, see, I, I have a confession to make. I've, I've never been an X-Men fan. Comic book X-Men fan. I just... They just never grabbed me somehow there were characters i liked and I, I liked the premise 
but the actual comics just fell flat for me. It didn't work. I think a lot of the reason why was I think my credibility was just stretched way too thin. I was just reading something online that apparently this guy that's letting her out of the truck right here was the voice of Beast on the old uh, X-Men animated series. I never realized that before. I just thought he was some some bum, you know, some truck driver guy. Um, But anyway, um, and I, you know, I hope this... See, I know that this movie is very divisive for fans. There's people that really, really like it. And then, you know, the hardcore X-Men comic book fans, I'm led to believe, really don't like it. So, I, you know, I don't want to find myself in that uh, that Godzilla position again. But this movie changed my opinion of the X-Men because oh, wow. I never cared a, a whit about the X-Men, really, until I saw this movie. And one of the reasons is... And I, and I suppose this makes me a massive hypocrite because, you know, I, I, I'm often, you know, spouting off about how I hate when they change the comic book, you know, the comics when they or, the, you know, the, the characters and the stories when they go from the comics to the screen. But that's one of the things I really liked about this is I liked that it was a slightly more real world approach. I liked that they pared down. And for the most part, you don't get the quote unquote sillier x-men in this you know you get the more or less believable human style x-men in this movie you know so you don't have beast you don't have uh nightcrawler you don't have colossus the ones that i don't i don't know if silly is quite the right word but i mean as cool as i think colossus is you have to admit that the idea that a guy turns into living metal it's a it's kind of silly it's it's you know it's it's very uh out there very fantasy whereas i like that this was fairly grounded you know they gave you a, a, a you know it's comic book science but they gave you a scientific reason for how you know wolverine existed you know he had this metal bonded onto him and how he could survive that procedure with his healing factor and just I don't know. I, I really liked that they pared down to a real tight kind of skeleton crew core of the X-Men. They had you know, to. Yeah, they had to, yeah, because there's just way too many damn characters. And I liked, for the most part, I liked the characters that they pared down to. I will agree that I think that, uh, unfortunately, some of the characters that are pretty cool get very short shrift the one that that continues to bother me because he got short shrift in all three of the of the first three movies was cyclops i actually like cyclops i think he's one of the cooler x-men and he gets a couple little scenes where he gets to blast something with his with his visor but he didn't you know he wasn't in the forefront like he wasn't i mean in the comics he was clearly the leader of the team so he got showcased a lot and in this he really doesn't you know i mean this is clearly, at least the first two movies, are clearly Wolverine's story. But that's the weird thing about this for me, is that Wolverine in the comics was the character that, that if I could pin it on one person or one thing, it was Wolverine was the thing that made me not dig the X-Men. Yet watching this movie, this scene we're watching right now is the scene that won me over on this movie. I was like, this is cool. I like this Wolverine guy. That's just cool. Okay, I was waiting 
there's a scene coming up waiting where she says something that I was wondering what the hell she was talking about, and I think it just happened. But what's that? Um, oh, she goes, "I saved your life." Yeah, is that when she said, "Look out"? I guess because mm-hmm. I was like, I don't really think she saved his life. I really don't think uh, <laughs> he was gonna have any trouble with these no. guys at all. Well, he says that, too, because she says, I saved your life. And he goes, you, no, you didn't. Dumps her stuff on the side of the road. Well, I mean, I in like this moment, say- like anybody who is a Wolverine fan was realizing this guy was going to be Wolverine. Just his posture and that and the way they shot that scene with him with the claws both ways is I mean, it's right out of the comics. Right. Well, see, I like this because he he is Wolverine. Yet he's not. I mean, because he's not—he's not the little runt. He's not just a maniacal killing machine. I mean, they've—they've toned him way back from the comics, and I like that in this—that he's more of an actual three-dimensional character. Well, they—they were able to take it. Well, I think that's directly to, you know, to Hugh Jackman's credit. I think he was Mm -hmm. just—he was just way into it. And in this movie, I mean, basically this movie is established, what this movie really does is establish the Wolverine character. Hugh Jackman is, is Wolverine. Right. He, right. He feels, you know, it feels like the part. And, uh, but as, as X-Men movies go on, he becomes more and more <laughs> bloodthirsty. He can become that more crazed Wolverine and you know him now, so you know that, like, you know, at his at his core, he's a decent guy, which is, I mean, that's the the basics of the Wolverine character in the comics too. You know, you just but Wolverine in the comics, I never found to be sure he was supposed to be. You know, he's he's volatile, he's a badass, he's you know, he's super hard to kill. He's got the claw, you know, that whole thing. But the one thing that this Wolverine has in spades that I never thought the comic book Wolverine had is this Wolverine is likable. Oh, I thought he Instantly, was. Instantly, I like this guy. And comic book Wolverine, I always thought, found to be just the biggest asshole. Well, I think I just, comic book Wolverine sort of went that direction because it became, you know, he became such a thing in the comics and then you went beyond you know, Chris Claremont, really. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think it was really when Chris Claremont wrote him, he was, I mean, I, I think the X-Men movies, I haven't seen three yet, but they all seem to be in that Claremont world, more or less, or based upon the Claremont depiction of them and not the post, you know, the nineties super, which which is funny because that the, the 90s super ridiculous million 2 million x-men titles you know all rob liefeld like art and you know 10 million wolverine books is probably right. what got this movie made it's probably mm-hmm. where x-men got the the big enough popularity to where they were like we have to make an x-men movie but I think it was very wise of them to go back a little further than that to uh right to for their source of inspiration 
at least as far as I'm concerned, because that was that was really the only time I was interested in the X Men. Once the '90s hit, I just I stopped reading them at all. I was like, "There's no way I can keep up with these storylines," and right. a lot, so much of it looks like garbage that I don't want to have to read all the garbage to keep up with the continuity of anything that might possibly be good. So I just didn't. See, when X Men was coming out on the stands, I I'll admit I ignored it. I just I wasn't interested in it at all, I, and I didn't never really became interested in it until, for a brief time in, had to be late eighties, early nineties. Um, for a time, Longshot became a member of the X Men, and from the issue he joined to the issue he quit, that was the only time I ever subscribed and read x-men you know as it came out and as soon as he left i left because i just didn't care it just failed to grab my interest and then right around that same time when i was in the service i happened to lock into a cheap collection of x-men comics and i was still trying to fill in the burn issues i still wanted them and so i started buying um you know the cl- the classic X Men and reading those, and I enjoyed them, but it just it didn't suck me in. And it really it wasn't until I saw this and enjoyed this movie so much that I was like, maybe I've been missing something all these years. So I actually went back, and with the caveat that I said I am not going to have to you know when they get into that era where all of a sudden there's like fifty thousand X Men books, I'm not reading anything more than uncanny and the adjectiveless x-men but i said you know what i'll I'll give this x-men thing a try and i went back starting with you know the the special that introduced the new x-men you know the all new all different x-men right up to whatever the current issue was at the time i read that entire run you know like it's like a 20 something year run of x-men read it all and there's some good stuff in there. I mean, I, for the most part, I enjoyed myself. It was a lot of fun. But, it, strangely, when I got to the current issue, that was good enough for me. I didn't continue. And you know, here I am again. I don't know how many years ago that was. Probably That's probably pushing 10 years at this point. You know, I'm, I'm behind again with no real interest to catch up. I still... I consider myself a fan of this movie X-Men universe, but the comic book X-Men still fails to grab me somehow. It's just not as interesting to me. I like the movie stuff, though. I've really enjoyed, you know, all four of these movies, really. You know what's neat about this whole sequence? What's that? It looks like it's pretty much 90% practical effects. Yeah. And no dialogue. Yeah. Yeah, no, like the, it's it's funny. A, a lot of the times, the framing reminds me of the John Byrne comics, but when yeah. it involves Wolverine, sometimes it's very Frank Miller style. You know, that the scene where they showed uh, Wolverine after he'd been shot out of the truck there and was laying on the ground from above. Mm-hmm. I love glasses like that. <laughs> See, but I noticed this movie often has a deceptively low budget feel to it, while it is not a low budget movie by any stretch. 
but it looks low budget sometimes without looking like cheap or chintzy because it's in that middle period of cg but a pre there's cg in here and cg from this time period but like those balls are probably cg there magneto's balls are probably cg balls (laughs) but uh that should be the name of the episode magneto's cg balls (laughs) but uh (laughs) it's like uh watchmen or something um but you know they at this point cg was only for enhancements here and there you know they they really practiced it was more expensive to do a lot of the stuff that would be done with cg so you end up with um star trek plastic rocks like in that cave room and stuff like that instead of you know a vast cg cavern or whatever and uh yeah, I mean, there's TV shows now that sort of have this level of production, but yeah, it it doesn't. It looks chintzy for now, but not. It wasn't chintzy for the time, and I don't want to talk like I didn't like this movie. I I liked it. I just it was it was one of those things where it was like the I don't want to say awkward <laughs> first movie. But it was the first movie. It was the establishing movie. This whole sequence really feel... I don't know if anything like this happened in the comics. Like, I can't remember. But uh, it sure feels, you know, like an X-Men comic. Yeah. I like this part. Oh, nice set design. Yeah, there's those suits in the cave. They all look like they sort of look like diving suits. So a little bit. Well, I guess not when you get close up. They have a more leathery, leathery look to it. So I've heard this movie criticized by by the hardcore fans, and again, I, I guess this makes me a little bit hypocritical. But I've heard this movie criticized by hardcore fans because. They changed up the look. You know, they obviously don't have their comic book uh, uniforms and things like that. I, you know, I can't help but feel that that's to the betterment of the movie, though, because it, it it's it's so hard away. movies to make uniforms look right good. You know, not today, look. Today, like- if you were to you know, if they were to make this movie today in a post-Avengers world, they could probably pull that off. Yeah. But at this time, I'm just not convinced that they could. So I think for the era when this film was made and the time it was made, I, I think they made a wise decision to try to tone down some of the, uh, you know, some of the gaudier, some of the sillier, and some of the more... And I hate to use the term, but some of the more comic booky elements. Yeah, and you know me. Typically, I really chafe against that kind of thing. But with this, I think it really worked. Well, because, because they did a certain level been, of it. Right. But, I mean, if this had been the movie that the fans wanted, the fans were, were looking for, I feel, anyway, I think the fans were looking for a live-action version of the 90s animated show that was such a huge hit. Because that show, in a lot of ways, was even bigger than the comics. Mm-hmm. 
She looks a lot like that uh, Cusack. What's her name? Joan Cusack. Every time I see this movie, I think she looks like her. Um, you know, I've never watched those cartoons either. They're very good. The animation style's not very good, and it's very dated today. But the storylines are great because the storylines are largely adapted straight from the comics. Um, you know, much like the Spider-Man show was. If you ever watched the Spider-Man, yeah, I never watched series. that either. So it wasn't bad, but it was also very much, you know, living in that comic world. So it had all the uniforms. It had the really fantastical, far-out storylines and everything. And, you know, as we're about to see with the with the movie that's going to be coming out, I think they're now at a point where they can embrace some of those more far-out concepts and far-out far storylines. But as this, starting out with the very first movie, I think, it, I think you've got to kind of do that balancing act between trying to give the fans what they want and show them all their favorite characters, yet keep it grounded enough so that it doesn't come right out and, and lose you know, the straights, the main, the mainstreamers. And I think it, and in that respect, I think it did a really good job because it didn't lose me as someone who just couldn't, couldn't stand comic book X-Men. I watched this and was like, Hey, you know, if the comics had been a little more like this, I might've gotten into them, which I ended up doing for a time, you know, getting into the, the, the comic book X-Men for a while. Unfortunately, I didn't stick with it because again, it wasn't enough like this. I liked the grounded feel of this. What did you think of the burn Claremont run of it? When I like that stuff from a from a you know, cla- you know I hate to say classic comics because classic comics to me should be something from like the forties and fifties, right. you know, not something I actually lived through. But it it's very much uh, you know again that's very much a product of its time. I like that stuff, but I'm not as enamored of it as I probably should be. If I had been reading that stuff off the stands as it was coming out, new, you know, brand new, I'd probably be the huge fan that everybody else is of that stuff. But, you know, it, it's weird. You know, as much as I'm a huge John Byrne fan, I don't look at X-Men as like his seminal work like a lot of other people do or even like his classic stuff. To me, his classic stuff is more his FF stuff, which was, you know, after X-Men. But I don't know. I enjoy the stuff, but. Going back and looking at that now, I feel a lot of the same way about Claremont's writing on X-Men as I do about, like, Roy Thomas's writing on Avengers. Like, this dude must have been paid by the syllable or something, because it's so freaking wordy. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, that, that time period was very wordy anyway. Yeah. I mean, I don't like my comics to be a pamphlet like they are now, you know, but at the same rate, I mean, there were some issues of X-Men that, I mean, they're a slog to get through. Oh, I used to love them. I enjoyed them, but I mean, you look at a lot of those X-Men stories, you know, the classic Claremont burn stuff. And can you honestly say that you can see most of those issues as a film? Oh, because no. I don't. I, I think most of them are absolutely impossible to ever really bring faithfully to the big screen. So, you know, I know that there's a lot of criticism going around right now that the new movie doesn't you know, look like it remotely resembles the actual Days of Future Past storyline from the comics. But I don't know how it could. 
I really don't know how it could. Yeah, I think but basically I I it just know. means it's going to be a time travel story, and that's about it. Right. Uh, I mean, hopefully we'll get some Sentinels in there. That would be cool. Uh-huh. But, you know, otherwise... Man, Professor X has a ton of money. <laughs> it's quite a spread, man. As many times as I've seen this, I never noticed he was wearing an X tie pin before. I can't decide if I think that's really cool or really or cheesy. cheesy. <laughs> really vain, one of the two. It can be all three, actually. I love... Did you ever read... Um, Avengers back in the 80s? A little bit, here and there. I would... I Do you remember a character in the in the Avengers comics? His name was uh, Henry Peter Gyrich. No. He was a redhead. He wore shades. Kind of, he looked kind of like what's-his-name from CSI. And he was the Avengers liaison with the government. And he was always giving him a hard time. He was the one that was responsible for... Uh, for the Falcon getting forced onto the team just so that they would meet the race quota and everything. Do you remember that storyline? I don't remember that, no. This guy right here, not the senator, but the guy he just threw the phone to, that's Gyrich. But it's weird because he was actually from Avengers, not from X-Men. So I wonder if the fact that he now exists in this Fox film, you know, Marvel Universe, if that precludes him ever showing up in the... Marvel Studios Avengers universe. You know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe it's just something nobody ever really uh, noticed or said anything about. You know what I mean? Right. See, now this guy, I don't know the actor's name off the top of my head, but the guy that's playing Senator Kelly here, I didn't like him in this movie when I first saw him, but I came to really like this actor. I don't know if you ever saw it, but there was a great... Um, miniseries that was on I think it was on Sci-Fi Channel this was a number of years ago it was called The Triangle did you ever see that? No I think it has the distinction of being the only sci-fi series I ever watched but it was really good it was all about the, the Bermuda Triangle and like trying to solve the mystery of it and everything he was in that he played a I think he played a scientist if I remember right but it was really good I enjoyed it a lot because I, I like stuff about the Bermuda Triangle. It was all fictional and everything, but it was actually a really good series. Hey, you never watched Battlestar Galactica? A little bit. Why, was the Bermuda Triangle in that? No, that was sci-fi, though. Oh, okay. No, I, I watched a little bit. I couldn't, I couldn't get into it. And I forgot about the whole love triangle between Cyclops and right. Wolverine and Jean Grey. See, that's the thing, though. Like, Cyclops and Jean Grey are really not, like, developed at all. So it's just hard to... This is like... Starting with the first Iron Man movie, there was a spark added to the Marvel movies that made them go from being good to really good to great. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And this was, like, good. This is the, I, I remember thinking, this is a solid, was a solid X-Men. This is about as good as you're going to be able to bring them onto the screen and establish them. Right. And then, and then I was like, hopefully they'll develop everything more. And, and I think they pretty much, I have to watch the second one again. 
to to really be sure but i re- i remember being like all right now these are you know this is a character development this is the kind of action that i wanted to see but yeah the character of cyclops is just basically just sort of comes off as jock douchey sort of guy right and uh by the time he and Wolverine are starting to bond a little bit, eh, I wasn't buying it, you know. I'd rather I'd rather have them actually be more at odds with each other. They actually I, I thought they pretty much stayed at odds through the through the whole thing. I mean they, they can work together, but I don't I never got the feeling they were buddy pals. No, no, they weren't mean? buddy pals, but they had a couple moments of appreciation, you know, where it's just like thanks for saving my ass or or something right. like that, you know. Not really verbalize that, but a little nod or look, you know. These are always amongst the best scenes in the movie where the the mastermind comes out and right. reveals his plan and positions all his minions dramatically all around. I did like uh, Ian McKellen in this role. Well, he's in, a great actor. Movies. Yeah, he is. He's just—he's just one of those gravitas gravitas actors that doesn't really take himself too seriously. So he'll take a role, and he—he he obviously loves genre movies because he's—he did the uh, Lord of the Rings. I'm surprised he's not right. in the new Star Wars movie. Is you know, though they got Max Concept, huh? He's got to be getting up there, though, I would imagine. Oh, he is. He's still playing Gandalf, though. He just finished those Hobbit movies. and so. But that's right. that's the point of it. They, it seems to be, you know, you find a British actor who's from lots of genre movies who's getting up there in age. And, and this time it's Max von Sydow, which is a good one for Star Wars because he was actually in a Flash Gordon movie. Right. But Ian McKellen would have definitely been a good good dark jedi he might have been a little too much like christopher lee right see at the time i saw this the only thing i'd ever seen him in i believe at least off the top of my head is i don't know if you ever saw the shadow with uh with alec baldwin or not but he was the the father of the love interest in that movie Mm-mm. He was he was like the absent-minded professor kind of role in that but he was really good though i liked him in that movie I do think this plot's a little bit cheesy. Yeah, it's a little silly. But still, I mean, they had to do something to to pull it all together. I do like that they had the sense to change the name of his organization from the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants to just the Brotherhood of Mutants. Yes. (laughs) Otherwise. Yes. You... You really never hear anybody seriously naming their evil organization or right. act using the actual word evil in their evil organization. <laughs> now, here's a callback for all the people that have spent time actually listening back through our, our massive back issue library and everything. But ages ago, in one of our very earliest episodes, I remember we talked for a time about film scores that are great within the movie that they're in, but then they don't work so well when you just try to listen to them on their own. And then once we brought up the subject, I was really hard pressed at the time to name some, uh, you know, some soundtracks that I felt fit that category. This is one, this of, one them. of them. I enjoy this 
soundtrack while I'm watching the movie, but outside of it, I find it a very boring soundtrack. And it pains me to say that because I greatly enjoyed and respected uh, Michael Kamen, who's sadly passed now, but uh, I really like his stuff. You know, I mean, he, he was a, you know, he was a classic film composer. He did, uh, you know, Die Hard and... You know, several movies that I really like. Isn't this um, pretty I, much almost totally a Vulcan mind meld? It's <laughs> just about. My mind to your mind. Scott, I was just mind raping him. Oh, gotta go. <laughs> I'll let you talk with my jealous boyfriend awkwardly. It's not really till you go back and look at this very first movie that you realize no, Wolverine does age. He most oh, definitely yeah. ages. He's he's got he's got downright baby face in this one compared to now, but that's mm-hmm. great. That works with his character. the The actor who plays Scott Summers got definitely got punch me in the face. Face. <laughs> he's got one of those faces you just want to slug, or I do anyway. I I like him though. I actually do like him. I th- he was the, uh, I was going to say love interest, not love interest, but he was uh, Lois Lane's live-in boyfriend in uh, Superman Returns. Oh, okay. Maybe it's just with the eyepiece or something. It makes his mouth get get that sort of like, you know, like that um, um, butthead mouth, you know, the sort of, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? I really like this scene. This scene is is pretty intense. This is right out of Weapon X. I like that this exists before all that origin bullshit where they retroactively made Wolverine, you know, where the bone the the claws were actually part of his anatomy. They were the bone claws. I hate that shit. Yeah, I don't I basically done for the reason Sorry. <laughs> My bad. Shouldn't wake a guy up like that. Oh. Ow. Surprisingly little blood. <laughs> Anna Paquin is very... And it's funny, I've watched so much True Blood. She's so good at doing that, like, quivery... Um, lip-puckery sort of act, acting... She does a lot in this. She does a lot in everything she does. Right. I think Drew Barrymore uses the same sort of, a lot of the same methods. And I like also that they have the the sort of, you know, weird, you know, I don't know if you should say weird relationship between her and Wolverine. But you're not really sure what kind of relationship it is you know she's really young and you could tell he's keeping her his distance but you're not really sure if he might have some like really strong feelings for her. which if i was writing this i wouldn't even have like thrown any of that in there i wouldn't have bothered with it but i think it works in this well i think that she's replacing uh jubilee because okay. in the comics, I, I'm not sure if it was ready around this time or not, but in the comics at one point, he'd had almost a uh, a sidekick of sorts. Because, I mean, she even, you know, Jubilee, her, her costume even mirrored Robin's, you know, from Batman and Robin. 
so she was sort of like the the female she was almost like uh do you remember carrie kelly from dark knight returns the female yes. robin yes she was a lot like that so she was almost like wolverine's robin and in certain kind of ways the way that uh rogue is portrayed here i used to make the same face in high school <laughs> <laughs> hey <laughs> Uh, that's a great scene though. That's early CG too. You can just yeah see them going. It's it's total like if it wasn't for Terminator <laughs> Two, you wouldn't have this. That's a great. That is a great R face. It, it also see? though reminds me of those executive stress toys that you would squeeze and their eyeballs would pop out. <laughs> I mean, just the way that those bars are bent are very, it's very comic book layout. I love it. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, this all has, um, reminds me a lot. It has resonance with that remember the god loves man kills x oh, yeah. um graphic novel i like yep. that it has a lot of the feel of that sort of built into it i got rubber hands rubber hands <laughs> oh well whoops at first i'm like why does this guy get punished for there's nothing he could have done why does Magneto punish him? Then I figure, then I remember, they're evil mutants. <laughs> they're not even supposed to be nice to each other. Rawr. He's basically the Chewbacca of this film. <laughs> All of a sudden, it's Jaws. I wanted to see him eat the kid. Just absorb him. That would be great. <laughs> I get. Is that supposed to be a je this kid's torture in a jellyfish? Hi, naked pasty <laughs> senator. He's got a, got a unibutt. <laughs> Stan! <laughs> nice Stan Lee cameo. I know. I'm trying to remember if this was the first movie that did that or not. I can't remember. I mean, you know, he appeared in, like, some of the TV Marvel stuff, but I think this was the first Marvel movie that he did the little Stanley. I think. I don't know. Somebody's going to probably write in and go, no, dude, he was in this movie and that movie. But but then again, I mean, how many Marvel movies really existed before this one? I know Blade, which, you know, to this day, I've still never seen that. There's three of them. I'm pretty sure. I'm yeah. I think there's three of them. Yeah, yeah. There is. Yeah, there's this whole trilogy. I know. It's, but I mean, it's very much when, like when the this... first three of these movies. I saw the first Blade and was like, that was pretty good. And I wasn't up on the the um, Blade from uh, Tomb of Dracula. I mean, he's a Gene Colan era character, right? And I remember liking the first Blade, and then Blade Two was a lot was ridiculous, but it was a lot more fun, sort of. Well, not that the second one of this was ridiculous, but it was a lot more. It was a lot more action-packed and crazy. And then I never saw the third one, 
but they're worth a they're worth a look for sure. I I I and once again, those are both movies that I saw when they first came out once, and haven't seen. And they're they're David Goyer, aren't they? It would make sense. They're not that. I think so. They're not that well written, but they're just entertaining. And Chris Christopherson's in it, and I love Chris Christopherson whenever he shows up in a movie. He's a great, crusty. Always a great, crusty character. It's funny how, like, non-crusty Wolverine is in this one. It's like the the clean scrubbed Wolverine. Right. And but when this came out, it was like, all right, this is the rough and ready Wolverine that we all that we all know and love. I want one of these. All right. See, I argue that he is though. I think I find him to be very different than than the comic book version of Wolverine. He's well, he's toned down. He's toned down. In this movie. In the next movie, he's slicing through government agents like they were like they were butter, and then right. in Origins, he's killing his way through you know the history of America. And uh, I don't think you saw the Wolverine. No, not yet. But that was like gritty detective story Wolverine. That was like dirty, grimy, gritty, scarred up Wolverine. So. He's developed, which is great. Right. I think Hugh Jackman said he's got one more Wolverine movie left in him. He's looking pretty good. I don't know why, you know, why he couldn't keep it going, you know, longer than that if he wanted. Maybe he's just kind of tired of it or something. I don't know. See, I want one of these that finds two true freaks listeners. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun? Like, see uh, this, and then all of a sudden we see like guys in comic shops, just like, no, nope, nope. There's one. <laughs> <laughs> Flipping through a long box. I think that guy was Bob Newhart back there. <laughs> Steven Seagal in the background. <laughs> Everybody knows he's a mutant. <laughs> But I like how they I like how they um, faded that into reality. I almost wish they would have just like cut it into the scene of her at the train station, right? And and let it run run at that. I think that would have been really cool. Cinema cin- s- film wise, right? What do you think of Funky What's Her Face there? However the hell you pronounce her Funky name. Funky Winkerbeans? Yeah. Who's who who's that who plays Jean Grey? Jean Grey, yeah. I think she's kinda like a low rent Julia Roberts. And once again, I don't think she's given <laughs> given much to she's fine. Um She's just not given a lot to do in this movie. Nobody really is except for Wolverine and Rogue. Even right. I mean, Professor X and Magneto are juicy characters. You could, you know, I mean, really, I mean, I think they were thinking of what you know. People were definitely going to be waiting to see Wolverine on screen, so it's much Wolverine screen time. But I think the characters of Professor X and Magneto are equally as intriguing characters, more so than any of the other mutants, you know. 
like Cyclops or Jean Grey. Jean Grey, I only thought really got interesting in X Men when she was, you know, in the whole Dark Phoenix thing where she became godlike and stuff like that. Right. In this, she's just sort of, you know, the sort of love interest. She's she's sort of the the you know she's dating Cyclops, but you don't really see any kind of chemistry no, between no, them at there all. There is no chemistry. No, not at all. And there's a little chemistry between her and Wolverine, but still not much because it's just because she's not that developed. And I really don't know if uh, this would work. <laughs> just because she can look like the per- does that mean she does she genetically copy people and if so how did sure she, why not she have to touch professor x you know it's not really made clear this is just a great little visual uh shorthand here that something bad is going in it right that's bad what? stuff it's my carburetor you don't want that <laughs> shit in your carburetor it screws up the viscosity of the Anytime concert. I can use the speed buggy reference, I'm a happy, happy man. <laughs> I can't even. <laughs> hey, well, what's I funny think is I that her. she, um, her name is Femke something. It's like Femke Johnson or side. Femelina Johnson. But she was actually in an episode of Next Gen that we haven't made it to yet, where she's the gift. To this like asshole, something from some other planet, and they're not supposed to open the package because like whoever she first lays eyes on, she's like hopelessly in love with or devoted to or some shit. I can't remember. She's in like a cocoon or something, and of course Picard accidentally opens the thing, so then she's like helplessly in love and devoted to him. So hopelessly in that one episode, devoted. <laughs> in that one episode you've got Jean Grey and Professor X oh. you know, as, as love interest for each other which is kind of interesting you know that predates this movie I'm pretty sure by a couple of years I do believe but just interesting that you know those those actors had some history going into this well I think they really um, they really uh, didn't get any use out of uh, what's her name Catwoman there as Storm. Thank God. She sucks. Well, I mean, the thing is, she can be a real actress when she wants to be. Yeah, people keep saying that, but there's, I've never seen There's a few mo- that That one she did with Billy Bob Thornton is intense. But, I mean, they really give her... I mean, God, it must have cost so much money at this point to get her in this movie. She was, I mean, she was at the top of her game... I think this was just around Halle Berry. That's her name. I don't. I, this is the only scene with her that I like. Is right here where she zaps him with the lightning. Yeah. The rest of the time she sucks, and she delivers one of the worst movie lines I've ever heard in this movie too. I like All right, that. Now Scott a moment ago got bent out of shape because the kid looked at him and they were having a little moment. That's pretty cool. Yeah. They were having a little moment. And then the mom looks at him all prejudiced and everything because he's obviously a mutant with his glasses. Well, he has red sunglasses. Why the hell did he wear his visor? I'm kind of freak. 
Sabretooth has fillings. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a sweet tooth, what can you say? Yeah, That's I mean, she tool. really, I mean, her character has really cool powers. <laughs> they could, right. they could use it a lot more. Now, you know who Ray Park is, right? Yeah, it's uh, Darth Maul. Darth Maul, yeah. Saw him. He was at uh, Star Wars Weekends a couple years ago. Really nice guy. He's like a martial arts expert, isn't he? The oh, yeah. He's badass. This is another scene that helped win me over for this movie. This, this is very actually... nicely done. Yeah. Good scene. Once again, pretty much practical with a few little wiggly magnetic CGI enhancements added to it. Right. But otherwise, an, a good old-fashioned... I like this that Magneto just basically totally owns Wolverine. I mean, Magneto's Wolverine's worst nightmare. Ow. Yeah. Ow. Gotta hurt. Pretty much any time Wolverine gets an opportunity to pop his claws in this movie, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I thought they really did a, a great job with the claws, making it very believable. It's really what everybody was waiting for. But I mean, his facial Ow. expressions, yeah. It's got to leave a bruise. Ow! Ah, that's not cool. Don't be doing that. That's a great line. See, I wish there would have been a, a little bit of more of those little quirky, funny... I think they really didn't get... I, I don't think it's really been till recently that they've really gotten good at adding adding humor and levity into the movies without it being like stupid um, catchphrases and stuff. I really like this scene too. I love how he. I like that scene, but when they when they lifted off from the ground, it was a little wobbly. It was a little obvious it was wire work. So I think CGI would have worked a lot better right there. Yeah, but still, not complaining. I do like this scene a lot. About eight years too soon. Yeah. Good. I like how he refers to him to his uh, by his first name. Yeah. You should call him Chuck, though. <laughs> Chuck. You're holding my neck, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> you sly dog. <laughs> yeah, Magneto's a great villain because he's always just on the other side of me sympathizing with him you know right he's it, right i i really understand his point of view but he just always crosses the line a little too much into sadistic killer you know yep but at, at, at the same point i understand his you know especially oh, shoot nicholas cage <laughs> he's got movies to make yet not oh, the bees so not the bees 
see, I can't tell if it's like just scene. a divot in the guy's head or if it's supposed to be that bullet is like <laughs> pressing on his forehead. Is that what it's it's like pushing on his forehead? That's why he's freaking out. I think out. he just shit his pants. But that's good. This that scene also is mirrored in um in um first class. Mhm. So it's kind of cool. It's one of one of Magneto's little tricks. Time for Naked Girl. <laughs> that was one of you the big things a... I remember about this movie is everybody was just like, she's basically naked through the whole movie. Yep. She is too. They were very they were very but they were very good about about how they filmed it. You know, you uh you haven't seen the third one yet. No. You need to see the third one. You get a nice look. Oh. Well, I'm definitely gonna see the third one. I'm guaranteed it. There you go. You'll like that part. Barring collapse of Western civilization. <laughs> Could happen anytime. <laughs> uh, uh, just to warn any Two True Freaks listener, if there's a collapse of Western civilization, there may be a slight delay in your <laughs> podcast. You may have to come to either Scott and I and get them carved out on stone or... Uh, <laughs> We'll have we'll have either stone or plaster format for for whatever one you want. Human skin. <laughs> That'll only be special like episodes. <laughs> Classic comic book movie scene. It's part of the trailer. Yeah. I'm lone wolf. <laughs> and I'm a lone fish. He looks like he looks like Beavis all grown up. I know, I know, with the with the hoodie on. But I like that. He's gone from a senator to some guy who has to walk around in a hoodie. But he's got his senator hair back now at least. They they at least they his did a senator hair. <laughs> it's it's not the same as newscaster hair, but it's definitely very close. But you know, yeah, when they put him on the gurney, somebody came in and and put about eight cans of hairspray on it and got it all set, put the mold on it. One of us, one of us, gobble gobble, gobble gobble. <laughs> Some nice special effects with him coming up, though. Yeah. Uh oh. Well, you're lucky it's Picard saying that to you, not Kirk. <laughs> oh, my God. There could be a Plastic Man movie. <laughs> Do you think we could possibly get a Plastic Man movie? Absolutely. Uh, If they did it, though, I'd want it to be the, the classic origin, you know? Because that, that origin story for Plastic Man, I, I believe, is actually one of the really great comic book origin stories. I like his, his origin story. Beyond that, I don't know that he's actually that 
that interesting of a character, but I love the origin story. I think it could look good on the big screen. That would be one to do as a period piece, I think. It would work really well as a period piece. Oh, yeah. Just as long as they don't cast Jim Carrey. I like Jim Carrey. But I, could I know see he them... was rumored for a while. I, I remember uh, Pee Wee Herman was rumored for a while, too. I would be okay with that. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I could see it with a pair of the with the right sunglasses on him and, and stuff. Maybe. But it could be a lot like the mask, so that's why I think they should avoid Jim Carrey. Right. Mommy. How do they do that with the veins to make him look like that? Because that that looks. I mean, it actually does look like it's under the skin yeah. as opposed to painted on. I think what they do is they paint it on. And then they might either paint on another layer of paint over it that's sort of semi-transparent or even a layer of like late li liquid latex like skin. So it is actually maybe underneath. I love that he's just like his water's just dumping out of him. My water broke. <laughs> yeah. It's broken. He turns into a little f fuzzy foam cube. See, this could be an interesting scene if we actually knew Storm and knew her character. It's just weird why they have her here and not Jean Grey. Yeah. Well, just to give her a... Guess the scenes in the movie. <laughs> oh, I hate when that happens. Yep. Oh, it's a worse feeling, man. It's time to get some decongestant. Blah. Yeah. <laughs> Gross. She's Clean up on aisle towel. ten. Now <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's got a denim jacket. Oh, there he's got there his, he yeah, goes. he's got his Canadian tuxedo on. <laughs> there I go. I did it. I did it. How long did it take? Hour and three minutes in. And I got to offend a whole country. How do you know he's dead? Because he went... <laughs> <laughs> he well, they, they hint that he's not dead in this. Don't do it. Don't do it. Oh, you don't want to try some of that green stuff. I hate to tell you this, Craniac, but that does nothing for you. <laughs> Craniac. What? Oh, oh, addict. Ow. Oh. And then he forgets he can't walk. Oh. <laughs> Lucky he landed there. I almost expect to see a puddle of piss for him. <laughs> 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 Why did they take his clothes off? Why do they do that in movies? Why do they always take all their clothes off? All right, let's lay this you out on this. Ray's a pervert. She's just like, get him in here. Get him undressed. Every <laughs> time, naked. right? Gotta get him undressed. Gotta see what's going on. They do that in Star Trek all the time, too. Thank God they didn't Every do that time there's Senator, man, or they would have had a big pile <laughs> of wet Senator clothes there. <laughs> what would have been really funny is if his hair was left behind and we found out it was a toupee. <laughs> I 
Am I gonna do that? Why didn't they find a natural redhead for this role? I don't understand. She's not a natural redhead? I don't believe so. As a matter of fact, I think that's a bad color job. I've always thought that. Because she, yeah, maybe they did, because the way she was drawn was, you know, I mean, redheads, redheads have that really fair skin. Right, exactly. And stuff, and she wasn't drawn like that in the comic. She was drawn like a Julia Roberts woman with red hair. So... You know, I don't know. I never saw if the if um, the carpet and drapes matched in X Men. So <laughs> could have been a dye job in in the comics too. You know. See, it's not like I don't think she. I mean, I think she's attractive and all. Don't get me wrong, but she just. I don't know. She just doesn't quite capture that. That. I mean, because Jean Grey wasn't she supposed to be like a redhead? You know, stunner, just knockout, yeah, yeah, stuff, style, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love it when well, plus, cops they don't ex- <laughs> <laughs> they don't explain in this at all why everybody else gets a code name and she doesn't. I mean, why didn't they pull the trigger and go with Marvel Girl? Oh right, I didn't get that. Or Phoenix. Although yeah, especially after she becomes, you know, she gets the Phoenix power in the in the next movie. I like that shot there. I think that might be a CGI shot of New York City. But I like it with the boats. Ow. It's a little silly, but it's still kind of cool. That actor reminds me of John Leguizamo. Which one? Uh, Toad? Toad. Never good when there's a phallic object headed for the statue. <laughs> Hi, I'm the bad guy. I do like him in this, though. Uh, I mean, he's got some good lines. That's a good line. They got they got him and Fastbinder basically to play Magneto. Mm-hmm. He just couldn't. Do, he really couldn't do any better than that. They, they they definitely in this series um, were being smart by casting the bad guy really well. Um, I think they cast Professor X really well, but it was almost the most obvious choice in the world at that time. <laughs> it was Timber Telly Savalas. <laughs> Telly Savalas is getting kind of old in those days, and Professor X isn't much with lollipops. <laughs> Telly Savalas is too swanky anyway, you know. Although Patrick Stewart does not seem at all uptight. He's good at playing uptight. Or at least least a little stodgy. Put her in the machine. This thing is cool. I don't recall them ever using it again. Just a just a ridiculous piece of technology that may not be necessary. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It looks really cool. 
It's just one of the professor's little toys. They've actually, the, there was, a, I just saw a video of an artist who made something very similar to this that, that functions now. That is a table with little blocks under it and and stuff. And you can put 3D objects on another object, you know, another table somewhere else with a camera on it. And bloop, it'll come up on that table. So that technology is actually here. Although I imagine... This line kind of annoys me. Oh, the, the just... Uh, An obvious nod to the comics, but it makes no sense within the world of the movie. Right, right. Yeah, it's just what... It's it's like tossing something. That that was that would have been one of the spots if we were one of the comic purists. We would have got pissed off at this movie at that point and been just like, why? Mm -hmm. That was... Well, you haven't seen Into Darkness, but there's... Many moments in Into Darkness like that, <laughs> where it's like we're just mentioning it just for fan service, and it doesn't really work. But we figure it has to be right. here, so here it is. You're gonna like it now. Clap, everybody! I like that scene too of the kids watching the plane. They're nice little touches. Singer's a weird. I don't know how I feel about Singer as a director. I think he's a good director, but I don't think he's a great director. He's he can, he can do really great movies. I think he's a good comic book movie director. Because for all of my problems with Superman Returns, I don't it's the, it's not the direction I have a problem with. It's the story. I think it's actually rather well directed, really. And, you know, the the next one, uh X2, you know that we'll be doing after this one. I you know I really liked it. I think X2 oh, yeah. is honestly still even with all the movies we've gotten since I think X2 is still one of the great comic book movies. I I mean that movie works pretty much top to bottom on all levels. It's got a good story, it's got good action, it's well directed, the acting is pretty good. Great score. Storms are coming. I mean he adds like that little touch of the kids watching the the jet take off. That was a bad computer Sorry. effect there, I thought. It was sort of sci-fi channel-y of the jet landing in the water. But uh <laughs> like those kids watching the the jet take off, like it's it's a nice little touch and it's a touch that a lot of other directors wouldn't have added. But if you got to the level of like a Spielberg, he would have really like done up that scene a little more you know he would have tweaked up the wonderment in it turned the wonderment dial up a little more right and uh there's not as much there's not a, there's a few little bells and whistles but this is just generally a very just workmanlike film as far as being you know directed there's there's nice little nice little shots here and there but he doesn't really like have a Brian Singer style, you know. I'm not gonna watch a Brian Singer movie and go, "Oh, Brian Singer directed this." Did you ever see The Usual Suspects? Oh yeah, I thought that I I thought that was like as a film goes, I thought that was his best movie. I thought that was a fantastic movie. I didn't think it was the greatest thing since sliced bread like a lot of people did when it came out, but it was a very, really well 
made movie, but I think a lot of it had to do with the actors were fantastic in it and the script was really good. Shoot him! He's a real Wolverine! No, shoot him! <laughs> This reminds me of episode one. <laughs> Ow! Now, here's one thing that I noticed that I would have... that I wondered. He, he sliced off her fake Wolverine claws. Shouldn't she have... when she goes back to herself, shouldn't her hand be injured or something? Or, you know... Right, missing fingers or yeah, something. something. Yeah, something. Because she definitely reacts in pain from it. <laughs> Some good stuff here. His hair being green's a little bit stupid, though. Oh, really? Does his hair have to be green? Ooh. Little nod to the Exorcist there. <laughs> It's funny, you can tell, like, combination of wire works, and they did some, yeah. uh, some reverse shots. That, where he's jumping up there, I don't know what they were doing there, but it looked kind of cool. Wait. Looked a little weird, but cool. That's cool. That was very, very episode one, too. Where he spun that stick around. Just not enough stuff with... I like that shot right there. Again, wire work. Some of the wire work stuff works really well, and then others of it, it, it you know, it's a little too obvious. Yeah. There's a certain sort of... That, like there. There's a scene here where she goes upside down up the wall that looks a little silly. Yeah, it's it's a little. Wow. It, it it looks like somebody more operating in reduced gravity. Right. Exa the real exactly. Real physics of if you had to jump up and flip around like that. Right. But it's the nature of wire wireworks. It's just like practical effects. You That's you, cool. you take it as the length. This of shot the, here is really cool. Where he goes right down the length of it. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Well, those, that that was those were that's cool right there. Those were the kind of shots that were getting the cheers in the in the theater because that was what. Yeah, right, yeah, that one right there is just silly. Where she goes upside down up the up the pipe or whatever. Let me shoot. Blows a hole in her head. Her lips are chapped for six months afterwards. Here you go. Here's the stupidest scene. It's right out of Big Trouble in Little China. I mean, there's a shot just like that in Big Trouble in Little China. It's not so much the scene, it's her... It's just absolutely inane dialogue. Listen to this line. It's so stupid. Say it. I think pieces of glass would be getting stuck in his tongue. What? What happens to it? What? Tell me. What happens to a toad that gets struck by lightning? He pops like a toad. I don't know. It's stupid. The same. What? What? Really? 
That is the stupidest line. Did, I think at this point they were just that was a bad CG splash too. It just disappeared yeah, it as soon as it was done. And every time I see those toes, I think it looks like six toes. <laughs> but she's wearing Jesus the Lawgiver sandals. That's why. Yeah, that was, <laughs> I, I think this was a, also in the time period where everybody had to do a you know, well I lied line just right. before someone buys it or is yeah the the, the Arnold line yes. You smell funny. Quiver, quiver. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, she didn't la last as long as Rogue. Pretty much got hit in the same place. All right, Han Solo. <laughs> what was that? Hey, how's it going down there? What was that little head nod thing about? Now, is yeah, is now is wasn't Cyclops in the comics? He was technically team leader, wasn't he? Yeah. I don't know if he seems like that in this as much. No, that was that was what I was saying before. No, that's definitely my complaint is that it's it feels very much like Wolverine and the X Men. It doesn't feel like okay, here's yes. here's a team and Scott's the leader and you know, everybody's these are all teammates and Wolverine's one of the team. No, he's still very much a ro you know, a loner even in this instant instance. I remember being very disappointed by this ending for some reason. That it ended up being just sort of a fight inside of a Statue of... In and on and around a Statue of Liberty set. Right. But at the same time, this whole situation here is very X-Men. Mm-hmm. Please place your 3D glasses in the box. <laughs> I did. I thought you lived at the school. For those of you who may not be familiar with the historical significance of the guy looks like Grandpa Munster. <laughs> huh? She's kind of dead right now. It's funny that earpiece he had was high tech in those days, and now every jerk off walker driving around in their car has one <laughs> sticking out of their head. My roommate calls them Lobots. <laughs> Another Lobot. I hate them. They go walking by you talking on those things, and you think they're talking to you. Go shut up, you crazy bastard. I'm a big yeah, I know it's, yeah, you do you do hear those everywhere. I'm a big I've still never even even after all this time with this technology, I've still not gotten used to it. To me there still seem like crazy homeless people wandering around talking to themselves. Yeah. Oh, I hate them. I want to just rip them out of people's ears and wing them down the street. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Are you really important? Wolverine always gets to swear in all the movies, too. Hugh Jackman was smart. 
took the the fun roll. That's a nice shot. Yeah. I like that shot a lot. That, that looks good. They do a little blurring thing sometimes when people are levitating and floating in this. It makes it look kind of neat. Now, I want to know why stabbing himself through the chest frees Wolverine in this part. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense to me. I guess Because it's maybe, not like he's... Hmm? I guess maybe because stabbing him... he. I mean, technically, he should stab himself through the chest and then pull his claws out through the metal. But it doesn't. It just drops him out. It's almost like there was a magic spell that says if they have to do what they don't want to do in order to escape. Are you dead? Maybe if I jump up and down on your head, you will be dead, George. Ow. Good fight here, though. It's a good fight. There's one really ridiculous moment in it. So when he twirls around... Yes. Uh... <laughs> and... If I'm right, I don't seem to notice after that that there's a corner missing off the Statue of Liberty Ow. in subsequent shots. See, I was kind of disappointed that it ended up as just sort of a fist fight. Right. And, and not like the, the mutant battle to end all mutant battles. Right. I don't understand what makes Wolverine, or I mean, uh, not Wolverine, uh, yeah, this part here, little silly. It's just like perfectly straight. That is cool, though. Uh, it was a nice, it was a nice discombobulating shot. Is this, this is, bef this is after the Matrix, right? That was a sort of. Yeah, that's why it has all this. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Matrix Who going on in it, yeah. Because, yeah, I think this was the next big blockbuster spe you know, special effects extravaganza after The Matrix, if I do recall correctly. Now, I want to know something about the inconsistency of, of Wolverine's claws here, because sometimes he'll drag down the side of a building to stop himself in a fall, and then other times he can just punch into the side... And doesn't drag down, so how does that work exactly? You have to see the Wolverine because there's a chase on a train where you get to see all that spelled out really well. It's great. It's like a James Bond chase scene, but with Wolverine. Oh, here we go. It's go time. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah, that's a good shot. Ow. Ow. Magneto's machine reminds me a lot of... Uh, so you don't get to see uh, Scott uses uh, his optic glass enough in this. Did 
Yeah, Magneto's machine reminds me a lot of uh, the interdimensional traveling machine in Contact. Hang on. <laughs> Jodie Foster. There was a toy that used to operate a lot like that when we were kids. I can't remember what it was called. I want to say Spirograph, and I know that's not right. I can't think of the name of the thing. Nice snag. Uh, that's a classic. I mean, that's classic in the comics is Wolverine getting t chucked around. Yeah, it's true. It's kind of like the fastball special. There just wasn't yeah. any cycle, or I mean, a uh, Colossus to throw him. I'm guessing that we were hopefully going to get some s variation of the fastball special in uh, Days of Future Past. Hopefully. So you haven't seen X three yet. No. Bending his claws around. Oh, I didn't notice that he saw her hair turn white. Yeah. Which is weird. I always want. I I always like wonder how like supposedly your body just sucks all the color out of your hair that's already there. <laughs> I could see like seeing something scary and then all your hair grows white after that, but turns white. I don't know if that's a real thing. <laughs> I have a shot. I'm taking it. It's pretty cool. It's good effect. I like that effect, yeah. It's it's good effects. I like that it's also very similar. They don't really exploit it as much in here. But it's like the X-Men sort of, everybody hates mutants and the X-Men sort of save everybody's asses behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. Yet it never really turns opinion, <laughs> you know. Right. It's still going to be some anti-mutant backlash probably because of this. I was just going to say, does he remember to touch her? Yeah, he does. My mind to your mind. Our thoughts are merging. How old was Anna Paquin when this was made? Like 16? She had to be young, yeah. Because, geez, True Blood started like five, six years ago, and she only looks like she's in her 20s and that, really. See, I want to know how they do this effect where, you know, he gets all gaunt and veiny like that. How do how do they do that? That looks really cool when they do it. Is that all with? Uh, that looks like it might be real makeup. There, the first shot would look like it was CG of some sort. They do that with those those, what do they call them? Those packs. Oh sure. You know, with the, oh yeah, yeah. they You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I the, can't think what they're called. Like those liquid packs. I want to say it's a great effect. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too with squibs and it's not right, but I, I yeah. shots mostly, yeah. Yeah. But no, they'll I mean they'll put fake veins in and pump blood in them and all that. Right. 
I hadn't seen the end of this in quite a while. I was rewatching this the other day, but I didn't I didn't make it to the very end of the movie before I ran out of time to watch the rest of it. Why am I naked? I am the cutest of Borg. There are four lights. <laughs> Where are my clothes? I've got everybody else He's not here too. Dead. Come on. <laughs> Everybody's back and naked at the X Mansion. Nothing to worry about. She's got to rub all of them. <laughs> I mean, did they want to play up the... Uh, there's not really a lot of chemistry between them, too. Other than what he sort of manufactures. There's more between the two of them than there is between her and uh, Cyclops, though. Yeah, but but between all of them, it doesn't it doesn't generate a uh, awkward feeling love triangle, you know, like they're trying to go for. I, it just doesn't. If if Wolverine took her away from Cyclops, I don't think anybody would care. I mean, yeah, most exactly. people would be rooting for Wolverine. But like in the comics, you know, they her and Cyclops had a real like real were were they even, were they married? I don't know if they were no. married. No. No, they were boyfriend and girlfriend for a long time. When when she died, and during the burn run, they were just boyfriend and girlfriend. Because he ended up finding Madeline Pryor not long after Jean died, remember? And she was he. The only reason he fell in love with her is that she looked and, and reminded him of Jean. Yeah. But that's where they ruined his character, though, because the minute that Jean came back, he was married to Madeline and had a baby. Either the baby was either on the way or just born. I forget. And the minute that Jean came back, he abandoned his family to go back to Jean. And I'm like, what a scumbag! That was an X Factor. Which I enjoyed. You'd probably like... If you've never read the early issues of X Factor, you'd probably love that shit. Because it was... Uh, Walt Simonson and... I don't think he wrote it. I think he was just the artist on a lot of the early... I want to say maybe his wife wrote it. Okay. I forget. It was good stuff, though. It was. It was The art was fantastic. I mean, it was... Uh, well, I think she was writing you know, New Mutants in the early days of them, too, when they were really good. Possibly. I, I can't remember. Yeah. I know she worked on Power Pack. I, I don't remember oh, if Power she worked Pack. on New that, Mutants. That might be what I'm thinking of. But, X, yeah, X-Factor was good. And I think X-Factor even uh, crossed over with Thor during that Fall of the Mutants thing. I think. Or Mutant Massacre, one of those two. The one that took place in the sewers, I can't remember. Alligators in the sewers. 
Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> That's the movie we need, is Hulk versus Wolverine. I Holy still want to see cow. that. I wonder see, if someday we we'll to... ever get a Marvel DC, you know, like Dark Side, Dark Phoenix type movie. You never know. You never know. I'll be content to live long enough to where all these Marvel properties come back in house and they're all, you know, all the, you know, all the same characters can operate in the same universe, you know, because for, you know, for right now I'm content, you know, with, you know, you got the X-Men universe, you got Spider-Man, you got the, you know, the Avengers and everything, but eventually I would like to see them all be in the, you know, in the same sandbox, all able to interact. We need to keep uh, Hugh Jackman in the Wolverine thing long enough for him to fight the Hulk. That I want to see. That would be really nice. I would love it if someday <laughs> we got all the Marvel stuff under one roof. That's never going to happen. <laughs> I think it will eventually. You don't think it will ever happen? They'll get it all together under one roof? I don't know if anybody who holds on any of the other properties will ever want to give it. Why would they want to give them up? You know? You never know. You I don't know. say never, but if I own Spider-Man, I wouldn't let it slide. <laughs> well, I mean, as, as long as it's continuing to make bank for him, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, if it ever gets to that point where, you know, they do too, you know, because all it takes is, you know, them just doing one too many of them or something to where it's just not making it for them anymore. But I don't think it'll happen anytime soon, certainly, because the the ex or the uh, Spider-Man movies certainly seem like they're continuing to make money. Who do you contact I to build a plastic prison for Magneto? Lego? I guess so. The Lego prison. <laughs> Wow, that went by really fast. Yeah. Well, the last movie it's we reading... watched was a nice long one, so. Yeah, that's and true. And also, it's it's this movie's like one forty six or something, but yeah, the last like twelve minutes of it are are credits. <laughs> oh, I didn't know Richard Donner was an executive producer. I didn't realize that either. Cool. So I'm wondering, I'm waiting for John Ottman's name to go by in this and see if he actually did any work on it because I was reading something where he was actually approached to do the score to this and I'm now finding that out, I'm actually disappointed that he didn't because, again, I love, love his score to X2. It's, it's actually one of my favorite uh, comic book scores, you know, comic book movie scores. But he, when he works on a movie, he's generally both the composer and the, is it editor? I think he does. He do, typically does two roles when he works on the on the films. I think editor's the other one. Hey, baby. Fom K. Jansen, that was it. I kept thinking Johnson, that's right. Jansen, that's right. James Marsden, that's a Cyclops. I can never remember his name. <laughs> yeah, that uh 
Rebecca Stamos, you get a you can get a nice naked shot of her in the third movie, so you have that to look forward to. I do. Tyler Maine. Wise in their name in their first name. Yeah. Good little flick. I I dig this one. I really do. I think it's a good start. Um, I think it's I well haven't seen th- three yet, but. It definitely, for for the most part, it seems to be uphill even after this. I thought uh, uh, Wolverine Origins wasn't that great, but it was watchable. I haven't seen actually. I haven't seen an X Men movie that I haven't thought was okay. You know, actually, I've really liked all of them except for Wolverine Origins, which I thought was like oh. eh. But it was watchable. I'll tip my hand. I'll tip my hand a little bit to to say that if I have to rank them, it would go. Uh, X Men First Class as number one. Yeah, me too. And then X Two is my definite number two because I, I find those two movies to be very close, it's very about much right. back to back. About right with then two. this one, and then three, uh, then three, and that's not to dump on three. Like everybody seems to want to dump on three. I like three. I actually think three is a pretty enjoyable movie. It's just, you know, something has to be number four, and that would be it for me. I, but I find a lot to like in the third one. It's just, it's not um, it's not as tight as the other movies. It does have its issues. It does meander a bit. But that said, I, I think there's a lot to enjoy in it. I think that uh, uh, Frasier is really good in it. Yes. Uh, you know, there's, there's, some, there's some good stuff in there. I think ultimately the real problem with the third one is that they already had a story and then they tried to squeeze the Dark Phoenix saga into the story as the B plot and you're you're not really servicing either that original story or your movie by doing that because there's already too much shit going on in that movie to begin right. with so they should have waited for like another movie to do that if they were going to do it that and my only other real complaint with that one is uh, is Cyclops, but I'm, that's all I'm going to say. I don't want to ruin anything for you. You're just going to have to see it. But yeah, Cyclops just man, you talk about the short shrift, man. Short end of the stick. Huh? No, it's I, I, in Toronto I, makes sense. I like that a lot of a lot of little seeds that are planted in this one get picked up for the next one too. That I always like when they do that, and not not in a sequelitis kind of way, just in a you know let's let's touch on something we learned about them in the first movie kind of thing. Because there's a great little you know they have a, a plane that comes up out of the basketball court joke in the in the beginning of the second movie that I really like. Because you, you know, you mentioned before the God loves man kills. I've heard it said that uh, that's what the second one is supposed to be. The second one is yeah. supposed to be, you know, the adaptation of that story. It's got some scenes right out of it, like when the government agents, you know, descend upon uh, the school for the gifted. So, right. I like yeah, that. Yeah, three D effects animators, two rows of like six names <laughs> nowadays it would be like tracking up there for five minutes right 
Yeah, there's definitely some digital in there, but not not a lot. Not like today. A lot of it is practical. Yeah. Not like I imagine we'll see in uh, in um, Days of Future Past. There was a good deal of I mean, it in First Class too. How do you think this holds up, though? Um, as um, it still is a good watchable, entertaining movie. Um, do you think it looks dated? It, it it's starting to because I think the Marvel the Marvel movies and superhero movies in general are just on such a roll these days and have, right. have figured out the formula for making superhero movies fun and and stuff that this is kind of like prototype of that you know what i mean not quite right. it's not quite there at that level but compared to the to its peers at the time you know heads and shoulders above so yeah it 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 definitely uh i i didn't think i was gonna like it as much the second time as i did but i did <laughs> i still i'm i'm looking forward to the second one because i i just remember i liked it a lot better which isn't always saying that this is bad but it it suffers from introduce the character itis, you know, character and setting itis, where I don't want to say there was too little going on in this, but they're they're able to ramp it up a lot more and have more happen in subsequent movies because they don't have to explain who everybody is, right. Well, they get to have a little bit more fun with the characters, yes. I think, in the yeah. second one. You know, we, we get some new characters for one, but also the, the second one gives us a lot more of the Easter egg syndrome, you know, which I like that that's become a thing. That if you can't this character in, at least throw the fans a bone, you know, show, you know, like in the second one, for example, they show uh, Colossus Iron Up at one point you know armor up at one point right. and that's pretty much all you get but it, it was enough to to scratch that itch for a lot of right. fans which i thought was really nice and to say ah maybe you'll see more of them in the future right it's a tough road to hoe when you're making these movies to make try to make everybody happy you know and at the same time you're trying to make something that general joe schmo who doesn't know anything about any of it can can still watch so right i don't know as much so with with x-men but because x-men had a pretty large you know it's it's like batman you know they they're sort of superhero world batman's the dc and x-men are the marvel um characters that just sort of go into joe six-pack knows who the x-men right. are knows who batman is Everybody in the world knows who Superman is. Right. And uh, so it was almost a no-brainer that it would be that it could be a successful movie. They would have they would have really had to screw it up to to mess up this movie. 
I'll be curious about the feedback we'll get from this one because I, I again I know that this uh, can be a very divisive it cuts one both for, ways. Yeah, yeah. So I'll be very curious to see what what people have to say about it. But uh, for me, I mean, I, I dig it quite a bit, and I definitely see you know where where this is one of those stepping stones to where we are today with uh with comic book movies and i think it's one of the better ones i think it had its faults but its faults are not obnoxious and game changing for the movie you know i think right. they got the characterization and the feel of it i don't want to say just right but they got it right you know it feels it feels like the story so i i remember i was definitely ready for more x-men movies after i saw it me too. And we will have more. So yeah, we'll see you next week with the second X-Men movie. Sweet. For my feet. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. <laughs> Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email 2TrueFreaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com. 2TrueFreaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two, Two True, True Freaks. We were finally invited aboard one of these spacecraft, which landed near Ann Arbor, Michigan, on October the 24th of 1954. This is a drawing of the craft. As I was leaving the craft, the commander, Soltek, 
said, soon others of your people will be able to have an experience similar to this. 